So those tired eyes were the result of Charlotte stress, not travel fatigue. Much worse. My first glance at the room should have told me. Charlotte always kept her home ready for an impromptu architectural digest spread. Sometimes I half expected to be cautioned to stay behind the velvet ropes. Tonight, while the room tastefully decorated in this season's selection of greys, still had a long way to go before looking lived in by anyone else's standards. For this crowd, it was downright messy. The black jacket tossed on a chair would have been bad enough, but the heather gray scarf that had slipped to the floor was unforgivable. The blizzard of neatly printed Rolodex cards scattered on every surface practically signaled the end of the world. And you had to be late, Drew went on when my mother wanted to question you about Marissa, and I assured her you would be home early. Why did you do that? I demanded in self-defense. Because you left me a note, saying you wouldn't be late. As a mature adult and an officer of the court, Drew has a penchant for justice, which means he's a stickler for apportioning blame, and he operates under the ridiculous idea that I sometimes try to get out of things. Drew... It's your fault I'm late, I said. He threw his head back and laughed like he'd needed a good one for a while. <laughs> How do you figure that? I snuggled closer to his stiff-as-a-board white shirt. The Eatons might feel a little rumpled on rare occasions, but their clothes would never tell. Your cloak-and-dagger game started it all. It was only because I saw you following your uncle that I did, too. By the way, what's Philly's last name? I noticed the man in the circle of my arms was pulling away from me. You're mistaken, Tracy, he said, as if he spoke the unvarnished truth. About his name? If you don't tell me things, how can I be wrong, I complained. I meant I wasn't following my uncle. What gave you that idea? True. I saw you. You sailed right past Marissa's very own restaurant in a cab. Must have been someone else, was his airy response. I know my own husband. Obviously, not too well. I haven't left the house all day. His eyes met mine and stuck with all the might of crazy glue. He believes that to be a sign of honesty. Like he would know, Drew is the world's worst liar— with his strict ethical code, he doesn't get enough practice. He was making up for it now. If things got any screwier around there, I was going to need a guide. The doorbell rang once, then a couple more times in rapid succession. Marissa, I said, probably just forgot her key. I heard a flood of relief in my own voice, far greater than the level of anxiety I acknowledged. I ran to the foyer. Before I reached the door, the ringing gave way to an insistent pounding. Suddenly, I knew Marissa and I weren't going to share that laugh tonight after all. I stopped, unable to take another step, unwilling to face whatever waited on the other side of that door. I'd always held in contempt the people who avoid the tough stuff. But I'd engaged in denial about Marissa's whereabouts all day. I clung to it, even now. If life hadn't already taught me about the price of silence— I would learn it when I opened that door, and I would pay that price for as long as I lived. Chapter 1 
I should have known the whole trip would take a detour through Wonderland, considering how it started. There I was at the airport check-in counter back home in Los Angeles, locking eyes with the clerk, but he stubbornly refused to ask the question. He did ask the others. He said, first class or economy, and window or aisle. He just wouldn't ask whether we insisted on air that, apart from being recirculated since the dawn of time, was more or less fresh, or if we preferred to be surrounded by compulsive personalities puffing on dead weeds. Domestic airlines don't have smoking sections any longer. Naturally, I knew that before I reached the check-in counter, despite the stupid look I'd plastered on my face to hide my dismay. I just keep hoping they'll change their minds. Not that I smoked. Filthy habit. I haven't had a cigarette now in three months, twenty-two days. And I'm not so pathetic as to count minutes, but at a guess I'd put it at forty-one and a half.